1: Well,
2: welcome back. Lovely weekend out there. It's start to the weekend. The uh it's amazing how much snow there is. And uh I drove back. I I'm amazed I made it here. I uh, was actually in Columbus overnight. Coming back was really a trip. Uh, I think I spent more time hydroplaning than I did driving. <laughs> and uh that's a little spooky by the way. Yeah, I, man, it was just, it was nuts. So, Be very, very careful if you're out there. Just be really careful because the roads are super slick. And, uh, you know, it's amazing. This kind of stuff, this was nothing when I was in high school. I mean, it was literally nothing. Six inches. We didn't even bother putting on socks. (laughs) We went to, I would go to school with my shoes and no socks on because it was only six inches. (laughs) And I'm, I'm totally serious. Weeds, uh, wind chills used to get down like 38 below, you know, we didn't get out of school unless you had more than 12 inches of snow and it had to occur in less than 12 hours. And so this kind of brought me back a little bit, but I'm looking at it and there there's, there's only six inches out there and I'm going, man, you know, I learned to drive in a car that had no power brakes. I learned it didn't have power steering. People don't, Kids today, they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? Steering wheel is about three feet wide. <laughs> and uh, when you go to turn, you have to let it go, and it spins back to go straight again. And uh, it was just uh, different days. And, I, you know, in fact, we could drive better, by the way, in those older cars. They handled better in the snow. The cars today... When the car starts sliding, the uh, I forget what they call it ABS system kicks in or whatever it is. The uh, and you literally lose control of your car. You you can't <laughs> you can't turn. Yeah, it it stops the power. Yeah, it stops the power to the wheels. You can turn, but it stops the power to the wheels. Well, which engineer thought of that? Are you kidding me? You know. A lot of engineers are very nice people. A lot of them are just disconnected with reality. <laughs> uh, just like, see, because back in the day, you knew when your car started to slide, you would actually turn into the slide. You would take your foot off the accelerator. You didn't really touch the brake that much. And you turned into the slide. Uh, if you had to, you could actually, once you turned into the, the direction that the back end was, was going into, you could actually accelerate a little bit and straighten it up a little faster. And it's a lot like the, uh, uh, drifting. You know, that, that I think the Japanese got drifting by watching Ohioans drive their cars in the seventies. <laughs> That's where that came from. But you can't do that anymore. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. It cuts the power. Really? So you're sliding out of control. And what do you, cut the power? (laughs) Yeah, it's one of those things. I just, uh, I don't know. But anyway, long story short, we've got a seminar coming up. And it's actually on the 30th. That's a Thursday. And you can come to it. It's free. Uh, There's no cost to attend. However, seating is limited. And you go to my website, BullingtonCapital.com, to sign up for that online. No cost again. And uh, I think we have... About a hundred seats, and normally I, I'll typically cut it off around seventy or eighty, so that uh, uh, not everybody has to sit right next to each other. <laughs> It'll give you a little space. And we're gonna it, we're calling it the the question and answer sem- seminar because I'm gonna talk about a lot of topics that I, I know people have on their minds. Um, I, I know for sure they have a lot of these on their minds. Like, is the economy headed into a recession? If it is, what should you do about it? what should you do about an economy that's going into recession and the uh um the answers are gonna surprise you i mean the answers for people who have been successful weathering these things in the past so we're gonna definitely talk about that we're gonna be talking about um a lot of different things and we're gonna for, for, we're gonna go about forty five minutes I got some uh random topics that are pertinent you know basically. Uh, it's an election year. What kinds of things can you expect? You know, during an election year, um, are there things that typically happen during that time, Tara? How do you prepare for that? And uh, so we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, we'll, we'll talk about the lookout for the bull website. I know some people have uh, asked some questions about that, and you can go to lookout for the bull to learn about it. Actually, I put training up there uh, for free. I've trained Mike Seger on how to run the scans and how to post and what to look for, and he's doing an excellent job so if you ever wanted to to learn the momentum model of investing in it it's not something that I would recommend for everybody, and you'll know more about it if you just read the the training and the training's not very long if it takes you more than an hour it's because you're goofing around yeah it, it literally. In an hour, I can tell you exactly what you need to do, how you need to do it. And and I'm being um, very generous by with the time of an hour because I really don't think it's going to take an entire hour. And it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to visualize it, do it, practice it, and do it. So the practice that it's going to take, actually that's something that you'll work on, on yourself you know, for as long as you are an investor utilizing that style. Um the other style of investing by the way is called value investing. So you've got investing investors that use price movement as you know into their uh, one of the models that I use uh one of the ETFs I use uses price movement as one of the key factors. Um and that it's a style. One of the other uh, many of the others use things like valuation, profitability. Um valuation means how much is it worth versus what it's selling for. That's what valuation is. Like when you look at a, a, a house, you look at all the houses that have sold in the neighborhood, you try to get an idea of what the price per square foot, for lack of a better you know, comparison, I think that's one that a lot of people probably recognize. Price per square foot, what's the average? And if the house, you know, if the average in the house in the neighborhood is $140 a square foot and one of them selling for $1,400, that better be a heck of a house. If the average is 140, they're right at uh, 140. Great. Hey, that's a good, maybe a good deal. If it's at 100, which is $40 below, you know, uh, that might be undervalued. Why is it? And that's when you have to look into why. Why is it undervalued, uh, at least on the appearance? That's called value investing with stocks. I'll talk a little bit about that. I'll I'll probably bring out the uh, price to sales ratio formula. It's super simple. I'll go through that. I'll spend five or ten minutes going through that uh, because I think that can be a a big help to an awful lot of people. And uh, um, and again, we'll uh, go for about forty-five minutes. Um, We're going to talk about fixed income. What are the highest rates that you can get on on stuff that's quote-unquote safe? And uh, what kind of risks do the safe investments pose? We will uh, actually. I'm going to touch base back on the investment only annuities that we talked about. You know, they've moved the uh, required minimum distribution age back from 70 and a half or 70 six months after you turn 70 and a half. I don't know why they didn't say 71, but now it's at 72. So it puts off you having to touch those IRAs for a little bit. Uh, talk a little bit about how that could have an impact on you. And if you're at that age and you have to take money out of your IRAs every year and you're not using that money, there are some things that you might be able to do using an investment-only annuity to try to reduce the amount of taxes that you're going to have to pay. And uh, we're going to spend oh, probably about 5 to 10 minutes on that topic. And today I'm going to spend a little bit more time on that topic when we, uh, uh, when we come back from our first commercial break because it, it's a pretty big deal. You know, they've, they've eliminated most tax breaks that you have out there, but this is one of them that uh, is still there, probably going to stay there, at least for the time being, and uh, it's a good one. It's a very good, it can be very powerful, especially if you're paying taxes on your Social Security. And uh, and as always, we're always going to talk about where the economy is. What is the economy doing? What is... What, What are the likelihoods that the Fed does something, i.e. raise interest rates, uh, that could cause the economy to slow down? What are the chances of that happening? And that's a topic that I love to come back to quite often because the Fed's always doing something. By the way, the Fed has more impact on the economy than just about anything else. Um, You do have impacts from the industrial side like a 5G, which is basically uh, a technology that's being rolled out. and You hear more and more about it. We started talking about it, I don't know, two, three years ago here on a, on the radio. Um, and anybody could do that, by the way. If, if you read MIT Technology Review or even Popular Science and you're a regular reader, they like to report on that kind of stuff. There's an electronic show in, in Vegas every year where people display the technologies that they're working on. Sometimes they're several years in advance. And a lot of times they don't even make it. I find that kind of funny. You see a really nice technology and you're like, oh, wow, boy, I can't wait for that to come out. And then by the time, uh, you know, two years later, they're the technology is going in a different direction. So that's kind of interesting. But why did I say the, uh, the fed was the most important or has the biggest impact because they control the supply of money. It's the money supply interest rates are a part of that. they're not as important as people think they are. The most important thing is are banks lending, and are people paying back the loans? If people are paying back the loans and banks are lending money, the economy generally does pretty well now following that by the way is you know that, that here's here's the progression that the average person goes through when they hear me say something like that, oh. Well, all we need to do is follow what the banks are doing. Let's see how many loans they're making. Are they accelerating or are they slowing down? Um, are people paying back the loans? And that's a good idea. However, we're not the first one to have that idea. That idea has been around for an extremely long time period. So there are people that are much closer to the situation than we are. And, and I will tell you this. Those guys are wrong just as often as they're Right. <laughs> And uh, and if they are right, they're going to be acting several months ahead of what the uh, the Fed is, is going to report and the banks. So, in other words, there are no really, really reliable indicators. And I always laugh when I think about what Peter Lynch had to say. Peter Lynch, for those of you that don't know, and you know what I'm thinking, anybody that's, um, if you're 10 years younger than I am, which is... Uh, I'm embarrassed to say <laughs> how old I am, but if you're 10 years younger than I am, you probably don't know him very well. He was a portfolio manager. He ran a uh, fund for Fidelity Investments. It's got the best track record of, of any fund manager of its size, and of the type that's ever lived. So it's like you know you're looking at a uh, uh, Joe DiMaggio or a, um, a superstar in their sport. And he was a superstar and he was fond of saying, you know what? I don't spend 15 minutes a year looking at the economic reports. And because by the time you figure out where it's headed, it's too late. <laughs> so trying to get that edge. And then I know people are still, it doesn't matter what I, what I say, what Peter Lynch says, what Warren Buffett says. Listen to what go Google what Warren Buffett has to say about projecting, predicting the economy. Yeah. Actually, the, uh, Back before we had satellites <clears throat> where you could see the weather developing and you could follow the weather developing across the country, they still get it wrong. They're not as wrong as they used to be. Well back when I was a kid, seven out of ten times they missed. They made their projections and they were wrong. Why? Because they didn't have the satellites to follow that stuff to say, here it comes. And that's basically what they're doing. They're looking at the path. And do you ever see the path? Well, Here's where the hurricane could potentially reach. And it looks like a megaphone. (laughs) The farther it gets away, the wider that the projected field gets. And it, it's hard to make a forecast that doesn't get that right. I mean, come on. You just, the farther away, the the wider you make it. What what kind of help is that? (laughs) And by the way, it doesn't matter because, uh, Trump will tell you it was someplace else anyway. I'm just kidding. The uh, <clears throat> so that's what economic uh, forecasts are, are kind of like. Uh, they're right, not as often as they are wrong. In uh, but you know, just does it mean that you don't pay attention to it at all. Not really. Uh, you just don't want to base most of your decision making on the information that you're going to get from economic data. And uh, I know it's 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 tough. And you say, well, what is there? Well, you've got economic data over extremely long time periods. You've got how was the system set up to begin with? What's how? What are the key drivers of our economy? And the banking system is definitely one of them. But there are a lot of other things that actually make America the largest economy in the world. Did you know we're the largest economy in the world? Do you know what percentage of the world population we make up? Right around 5%. Actually, I think it's a little less than 5%. But the uh, right around 5%. So how does 5% of the world's population account for the largest economy in the world? Especially when you have two countries out there that have three and four times more people than us. Why aren't their economies bigger than ours? They should be because they have to feed, clothe, house, and, trans, uh, and give transportation to three to four times as many people and it's all because of how our economy's set up. That's a great thing. And we'll I'll go into that at that workshop as well. Because it's not actually it's not even that complicated. And the bottom line is uh, it works very well. And a little piece of that is that you actually have to have faith that the system's going to work. And I know that's really hard for people. At at this workshop we're going to talk about some things that you can do to increase the predictability, in other words, the things that you could do to reduce your risk. See, risk could be defined as not knowing what's happening and doing something anyway. <laughs> that's that's one definition of risk. Not knowing what's happening and doing something about it anyway. The uh, uh, I'll show you how you don't need to know exactly what's going to happen to be correct. It's like... Uh, Coming to the office this morning, I put on a big coat because I thought it was going to be pretty cold. If it weren't, I would have just taken it off. (laughs) Hey, I hear the music. That means I have to take a real quick commercial break. You listen to Bill Bullington right here on 1420 The Answer. Stay tuned because I will be right back.
1: All my intentions, all my obsessions, I want to lay them all down.
2: And we're back. Hey, this is Bill Bullington here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon on 1420. If you have a question, give us a call at 216-901-0945, 216-901-0945. Or if you just want to shoot the breeze, that's fine too. As long as it has to do with investing, I'm, I'm good. Or personal uh, finance, it's either topic. And I uh, oh, just lost my whole train of thought. You know, it is rough getting old. <laughs> but uh, anyway, we've got this seminar coming up. It's called the Question and Answer Seminar. Uh, it's coming up pr- fairly quickly. Uh, you can go to my website, BullingtonCapital.com. You can also go there. If you just wanted to set up a Get Acquainted meeting, we do a lot of these where you would come in, we'd just talk about your situation. Um, uh, you can ask questions, see if, uh, um, you might be able to use some of our services. Oftentimes the people can't, by the way, uh, they come in and we're talking about it and what I do is not a good fit for them. So, um, that's a, uh, there's nothing wrong with it because you can't do everything. You know, it's, I'm not a, not one of those people that will try to wear all hats. You know, that's, I know where my strengths are and, and I know where my strengths aren't. And I have other people, by the way. I have a network of people that I work with, uh, a tax preparer who's actually an enrolled agent. Um, got several, uh, other CPAs I work with. I've got several attorneys that I work with for the estate planning issues that I, I know people are going to have. And so we really try to direct you to wherever we can. In fact, I get a lot of questions. It's pretty funny. They don't really have anything to do. With investing or estate planning, <laughs> retirement planning, none of that. It's the, uh, but there are questions and people figure, ah, well, let's just call Bill. <laughs> and that's fine. You know, that's, uh, I enjoy that, uh, part of the, the business. It is kind of funny. Um, in fact, I did get a call and I'm going to, uh, send some information, uh, this afternoon to somebody because I was out of the office when I got the, uh, actually it was an email. And it heard me talking about a streaming service. What is a streaming service? This is where you get uh, kind of the a, a substitute for cable, or it can be a complement to cable. Um, I use YouTube Television. It's fifty dollars a month now, but you've got an amazing number of channels. You have five or six—I can't remember now because it's been so long—devices uh, that you can set up. To view it, you can watch it on your phone. You can watch it on your iPad. It's really cool. There's unlimited DVRing because you're doing it in the cloud. Now think about that for a second. You can record as many shows as you want and then go back to it and watch it whenever you want. And you can pause it whenever you want. And if you're watching it at home and then you gotta you got to go somewhere, you can actually continue to watch it on your phone. Let's say you had to take a trip somewhere, so you uh, decide to take it with you and uh, you're watching it on your phone. <laughs> it's kind of mind-boggling, actually. But uh, anyway, I've been using that since it first came out. Extremely happy with it. You know, it's it's uh, kind of mind-boggling that all this stuff is coming. Disney's got a streaming channel. There are other streaming services out there. So basically, you're getting your television over the Internet instead of uh, over cable. In many cases, though, the cable's what's providing the, uh, the internet access, but it is it can be a lot cheaper, so um hope i don't get bombarded with questions on streaming services but <laughs> but that's the uh i thought it was kind of cool that uh, somebody decided that hey could could you talk about that again yeah and uh i use youtube television i, I forgot what the one a t t's got a service too, and i can't remember what it is, but it's really popular as well and it it's less money they're less money than a lot of the cable subscriptions are and they're portable which means you know you, you open your ipad uh, or a tablet you can have an android device or your phone and you can continue watching stuff if you're traveling uh, same stuff that you're watching before as long as you get uh, access to internet connection and and most of the uh, cell phone service has internet built into it so um, anyway long story short feel free to call me if uh, you're a client you can call me with questions that may not actually have to do with with you know managing money that's okay and if i can help you i will thank god for google because <laughs> most of the time that's basically what i have to do uh go to and google something and you know it's one of the reasons that uh people have advisors and uh, i'm not really an internet advisor i can tell you that gary uh in my office is if you go to the website you can look him up he's a uh uh, Microsoft certified. So he handles a whole lot of the technology questions and issues that we get. Yeah. Actually, he handles almost all of them. And, uh, so it's, it's pretty interesting. And you build up a pretty good network over time. If you uh, stay at this business for a long time, uh, you really, it's like any, it's actually, it's kind of like being a uh, building contractor or especially a remodeling contractor. Remodeling contractors typically don't do the work. They know other people who do the work because you've got to have plumbers, electricians, painters, drywallers. Sometimes those guys will be the same. You have people that install flooring, the uh, light fixtures. There's a, a bunch of different stuff, cabinets. And that general contractor has got to know and has got to have contacts in all those areas. Otherwise, that job's going to take five years to get done. And uh, it's not going to do the work. But they're going to know. You know how I know so much about that? Because my dad was one of those subcontractors. I did a lot of that work. So anyway, uh, one thing I, I did too want to kind of, kind of clear up. We were talking uh, about a few weeks ago about an investment-only product from Nationwide Insurance. Uh, it's an annuity. And it's an investment-only. It's not like the annuities that you, most of the annuities that you're going to hear advertised. This one has no sales charge in, it has no sales charge out. There are no penalties for an early withdrawal. It's They, are, they go way out of their way to disclose all the fees that you're going to get charged. That also makes it a lot different. I can tell you I've looked at a lot of annuity contracts over the years and many of them are impossible to tell what your actual true expenses are going to be. And they even tell you that it's in the you know several hundred page document that they give you, <laughs> but that they tell you that, look like, we can't really tell you what the charges are going to be, because we have this thing called the market value adjustment, and we won't know what that is until you try to take money out. Oh, great. Awesome. I'm not a big fan of doing that sort of thing. And whenever I hear that or see that, I, I know that that product has paid a uh, probably has paid a really big commission. Uh, we don 't use commission products at at Bullington capital we just don't uh, we 're advisors you know we work with our clients we work for our clients our clients do better so do so do we if our clients don't do as well, neither do we when their assets drop in value, our pay goes down you know how'd you like to have that job for a living, especially when you're investing in stocks <laughs> yeah, but anyway, you can um <clears throat> um You can bet that the information that we're going to give you, we try to be uh, completely, totally, 100% unbiased. It doesn't matter to me which products that you want to use. If you want to use CDs, that's great. And we have people that will use CDs. Most of our CDs got called recently uh, because they were paying over 3% and interest rates dropped, so those CDs had callable features on them, just like a bond. Uh, In fact, most CDs today you can buy and sell... Uh, through a, a company like Fidelity or like Schwab or Meritrade, they have they call them brokered CDs. Fidelity is probably the biggest in that space. Uh, and uh, uh, you buy and sell it, but they're also callable, just like a bond. They can call it in on you, and uh, that's been happening pretty frequently lately. So kind of surprised about that. But the uh, interest rates that you can get from companies are going to be only as strong. Uh, the guarantees are only going to be as strong as the company is. And that's the thing you, you have to kind of watch. You know, if, if you hear something and the interest rate is higher than three and a half percent, I'm just going to tell you that somebody is assuming risk there. Somebody is assuming risk on an interest rate above three and a half percent. Um, we talked a little bit about the, the nationwide guaranteeing a benefit level. That's not guaranteeing the cash, incidentally. I want to make it very clear on that. They guarantee a benefit, not the cash value. I'm sure that's incredibly confusing for a lot of people. And so what do I mean by that? Well, let's say you put $100,000 into one of those products. And they guarantee a simple rate of interest for 10 years of 7%. What is simple interest? Well, simple interest is interest that doesn't compound. Okay, So the first year on $100,000, it would be $7,000. The next year, it's going to stay at seven thousand. You're not going to get seven percent of the seven percent that you would have that you made. Okay, so that's the difference between simple and compounding. Simple stays the same. Compounding gives you interest on the interest that you made, as long as you don't take it out. Now, that's a that's a big deal. I'm looking at a seven percent rate. It's not actually like a seven percent CD because CDs compound. They compound six months every year. Some are monthly. You know, you look up online now with these broker CDs, you can find just about anything. But the, uh, the bottom line is they're actually compounding. So that's the first difference. Is that a good rate? Yeah. How long will they guarantee it? 10 years? Do you have to wait 10 years? Nope. The, uh, but if you want the guaranteed value for the benefit and, uh, um, Actually, you don't have to wait for that. One year, and then you can convert. Then you can convert it into an income stream, and the income stream is based off of the amount that you started with plus the guaranteed amount uh, for the benefit, not the principal. That's the benefit. They're two different things. If the principal grows faster than that, if the principal is actually growing faster than that and has grown faster than that, then you get to use that number instead of the guaranteed amount and that's really unique that's really unique and uh, there are no percentages you're only going to get 40% or 50% of whatever the stock market does but we'll guarantee your principal you know that that's a totally different animal this one is you know you're going to get the chance to invest in some funds that you won't have access to as an individual investor if you want to Add these other benefits on there. You pay for them. They tell you exactly what it's going to cost. A lot of it's depending on how old you are. Um They're transparent. I guess that that's what I'm really trying to get at. These are transparent. And the numbers are pretty good. I think you'll be hard-pressed to match the numbers that Nationwide is willing to offer. I think it's going to be a, a major task to do better than the numbers that they're willing to guarantee. Now, that risk comes... At the risk of having nationwide staying business and being able to pay. If I put money into a product like that and then I said, okay, I got my 7% for 10 years now, it's it's simple interest. I had a hundred thousand. I have 170,000 as far as a benefit goes. I look over at my cash value. It's only 150,000. Oh, okay. Well, I want to take the 170,000, not the 150,000 for my income benefit. And then based on your age, you get the income benefit. I think it's, if you're really young, it starts off below 5%, the average person's probably about 5 to 5.6 somewhere in that neighborhood. That's a, I know that's a big range, but anyway, so then you would look at the uh the income benefit. If it if it makes sense to use that number, then that's the one you use. If it makes sense to use the number of the cash that's accumulated in your investments, then you use that one. And the the beautiful thing about this is that you don't have to tell them ahead of time. You get to wait to see which one does better. And then decide. <laughs> that is, uh, that's pretty good. Um,
0: and, and again,
2: you know, uh, what are the other things, by the way, or I'd really like to point out about this. When you take these types of products from other companies, oftentimes they're going into that company's general account, the same account that they're paying automobile insurance claims out of, the same account that they're paying life insurance claims out of, the same thing, the same account that they paid those credit defaults claims out of the uh with this product the money's invested with whoever mutual fund whichever mutual fund families you chose fidelity vanguard t. Rowe price whatever there are 350 funds in there the uh or uh, 150 in that particular product so it's not actually a part of the general pool it's not going to be affected as much by the uh, uh experience of all the other businesses your money's not invested in their general account it's invested in your account with Fidelity or Vanguard or whoever you decided to use, and Nationwide's basically doing the administrative work, and they don't charge a whole lot for that. By the way, I think one of their products is actually the lowest fee in the country. So, having said that, you know, I know this sounds hard. Um, it's and it is kind of tough to get your arms around, and that's one of the reasons I think it's important that you don't have a sales charge going in, nor do you have a sales charge going out. Because if you change your mind. It's not, you're good. If you change your mind with a product that, that pays a commission, generally there's this thing called a, a contingent deferred sales charge, CDSC, that is going to kick in and could take as much as 15% of your principal. Uh, could be more depending on the market, depending on the market value adjustment. So anyway, um, try to know as much as you can about this. Uh, try to stay with the most flexible products. That's my recommendations. The ones that give you the most options. And, uh, if it's slightly below the highest rate, then you gotta figure that out. You know, some, there are some pretty decent companies that have good businesses that'll play, that will try to pay slightly more. I worked for one of those companies at one point in time. They decided that they made these guarantees and they tried to stand behind them the third largest life insurance company in the country. They also owned Alliance Capital. Most of you don't know who they are. They used to be a really big mutual fund outfit. And when 9-11 came, it wiped out nearly half their staff. So that firm actually went away. Uh, talk about crazy. Yeah, Boy, I've seen a lot of stuff in my lifetime. Anyway, I hear the music. That means i got to take another quick commercial break. This is Bill Bullington right here on 1420. Stay tuned because I'll be right back.
1: mountains and the sea, your river runs the love for me, and I will open my heart and let the hitter set me free.
0: I'm happy to be in the truth, and I
2: will And we're back. Hey, you're listening to Bill Bullington here every Saturday morning from eleven to noon. Uh, you can also pick this up on the Fishes podcast site, 955thefish.com. It's also available on iTunes, and I just added it to my website at Bullington Capital, so you can actually go there. If you've heard something that you liked and want to re-listen to it, by all means, there you go. <laughs> I'm going to take a, a couple of calls now, and the first one is Mike. Mike, here on the Bullington Capital Report.
3: Bill, good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? Real quick. Seriously, do you kids in Brunswick? six inches of snow and no socks
2: yes because we were tough
3: yeah I tell you you hate bailing strong farm kids out there back in the day jeez oh man you guys are
2: tough oh i am telling you the uh people in my on my street actually had snowmobiles in their garages <laughs> and you could bumper ski i don't know kids today don't know what bumper skiing is you could bumper ski for miles i mean just miles in
3: the hinterlands of Rocky River, we just used to hang on bumpers for cars. Yeah, that, that's that's
2: bumper skiing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: Hey, uh, you know, you did a great job explaining uh, that specific annuity um, this morning and several times in Simple Interest. You know, I, I just I think that there's a lot of miscommunication, or maybe if you could do a better job explaining, there's another guy on a radio station that seems to have an audience. And, you know, leads people to believe that there is no downside. You can never lose value and all these things. Right. And I just want me to take a little time to explain to the general public exactly what that product is or how it works. And, and, and some of the, the differences between what you espouse, which I think is great, versus, uh, you know, the the, the other products. Uh, people uh on another station and that I'll, I'll let you go buddy
2: <laughs> all day. right have a good weekend and thanks Bye. for calling yep. yep Okay. and i will get to that later i'll be but i've got two more callers that have been waiting so i'm gonna go right to the phones now and jerry is this my uh friend jerry that likes to do the options
1: well i do a few in my day yeah <laughs> uh, good, good morning william happy new year to you and your clan thanks i you have too. two questions I'll be very brief uh one stock you recommended about three weeks back was uh, ABAV Area. I can't even.
2: That was recall, a lot more but, than three weeks ago, dude. <laughs> was it
1: well? Yeah. Okay. I, I know I'm getting old too, so my memory isn't what it used to be either, William.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Anyway, a, a nice little run up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm wondering, would you consider that a momentum stock? Yeah, that's what it, it came up
2: on a. No, it came up on a momentum scan. And so that, that's why we put up the, the website, Look Out for the Bull. And I'll mm-hmm. tell you, I will tell you exactly how I use that. Okay. If the stock comes up on the scan and I like it, okay, I'll buy it. I don't put more than 5% of that account value in one stock because 5% sure. is actually a huge position. When you look yeah,
1: at, good
2: sure. when you, yeah, when you look at what the average stock makes up of the average mutual fund, it's like one half of a percent you know in most yeah. and if it's a if it's a gigantic position it's 3%. <laughs> okay. So I'm 60% larger than a gigantic position when I'm putting one in at 5%. Yeah, sure. And sure. so then and, and I use a trailing stop between 15 and 20% if it, it it depends on how I feel that day. I don't go less than 15, I don't go more than 20. I I just stick within that range.
3: Uh-huh. And that
2: way, my risk is somewhere between three quarters and 1% on that position. That's my total risk to the portfolio. That's why I don't worry about this stuff because even if I get oh, stopped out, oh, it doesn't okay, matter.
3: Pardon
1: okay, me? Okay. Any, anyhow, it is a momentum stock and it will be a momentum stock until it no longer becomes one. And that will be
0: when I get stopped
1: uh, out on increased volume. Is that correct?
2: Nope, it's when I get stopped out. That's my definition.
1: Okay. And okay. You,
2: can, you can take that any way you want. So I, I bought Tesla twice earlier in the year, got stopped out of it twice because it showed up twice, okay? I got I got mm-hmm. stopped out of it. The, this last time I bought it, it's, a, um, it's up a little over 100%. Mm-hmm.
1: Wow. Yeah. Jeez.
2: And see, here's the thing. I've heard so many people say, and I, I'm pretty sure I heard you say this at some point in time going back. You shoot for a profit objective. Uh, you know when I ups when I'm up certain a certain percent, I'm going to take my profit. And I'm like, yeah, no, you will never capture a 100 percent move in a stock like that. And if you, well, yeah. I shouldn't say never, but it's it's going to be incredibly. It'll be like the the Browns going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's a it's a rarely infrequent event. So in uh, this one. Uh, since, since I bought it the last time, it's been down, uh, let's see, almost 10% twice. And it was down 13.5%. I thought I was going to get stopped out. I'm going, Oh, here it goes again. The, um, and it didn't, but each time it only cost me a little bit of money and it's not a big deal. Yeah. And, and by the way, that is the secret. It's keeping your losses small. It's not eventually eventually you'll hit a home run sooner or later because you're 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 looking in the right stocks to begin with, those stocks that are moving really fast right now. Mm-hmm. And eventually you'll get your share of the winners, but you won't get there if you don't keep your losses small.
1: Sure, that's, sure.
2: That
1: makes, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Makes a lot
2: of sense. Hey, uh, you're going to really love the next seminar, by the way, because I'm going to show a, a, a strategy that I may not be able to employ for people. I'm working on trying to employ it. And, uh, I, I even hate talking a lot about it, but I'm going to go through it at the seminar. It's buying insurance on your, um, uh, on your fund. And the numbers look really good. I just don't know if I'm going to be able to manage more than one or two accounts doing it this way because the software that's required for that is, uh, incredible. And I'm actually going through the process. Of learning a software program that I think may be able to to do this, and then I'll be able to roll it out to the general public. But but I can show you how to do it in in about fifteen minutes, and it's pretty yeah, it's pretty cool. Interesting.
1: Okay, I know you got somebody else on on the line, so I wanted to ask one other question. Sure. Um, as far as going into this year, they say that uh, the Russell Russell 500 looks to uh, be rather attractive. It really hasn't gone nearly as far, and I right. feel that the smaller caps are uh, uh, going to have their time sometime soon. Do you agree or disagree?
2: Um, Sooner or later, because that's generally how it works. And uh, mm-hmm. so I just don't know when. But yeah, you, mm-hmm. I think you're talking about the Russell two thousand. That's the uh, two thousand. Yeah, me. yeah. It's not near. It it peaked at the same time. Well, actually, a little bit earlier than the S and P did, and it's not quite back to that level yet. And All it's right, it's, right. it's decline was actually about almost ten percent further when it went down. That's what happens with smaller cap stocks. <laughs> they go up fast and they go down faster.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it uh,
2: hasn't really kept up with the S&P actually for a few years now. And you would think that at some point in time, yeah, that that would probably close that gap. And that's why I still hold it. You know, and It's part of the portfolios I run now.
1: Lincoln Electric?
2: Oh, that's a good one. I wouldn't uh, – uh, that stock comes up on a momentum scan, I'll buy it. But it's already in a lot of the ETFs that I own, so there's no sense in me mm-hmm. kind of concentrating on that one.
1: All right. I'll let you go. There's the other guys are on the line. Yep. Hey, have Thank a good weekend. <laughs> yeah.
2: Thanks. Okay. Walter, you're on the Bullington Capital Report. Hey, Bill. Hey.
3: Um, uh, I, uh, last week we talked about the uh, stock market-based annuity index, and I was critical of it, and so were yeah. you. Yep. Um, I read Somewhere. recently uh, a guy uh, said that you can uh, design one on your own that will protect you from losses over a five-year period. Want to hear the formula? Sure. Okay. He said, "This is, he, he was pretty knowledgeable, too. Okay, the formula is 80% of your money is in five-year bonds, mm-hmm. five-year treasury. Right. 20% is in an S&P index. Right. Okay, there's like equal weighted and market weight, You know. Right. you know how they are. Okay. Yep. Since 1926, he says over a five-year period, that formula has never lost money since
2: that,
3: 1926.
2: Well, if you're rebalancing it,
3: yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah
2: right. Yeah. If, if you're rebalancing it, that that would be probably correct. I'd have to double check, but it sounds completely logical to me. Um, that's what we talk about uh, with rebalancing, and, and and actually, I'm glad you brought that up because I forgot to mention that that we're going to talk about that at the seminar. It's not necessary that you know what the market's going to do. It's you, but you better have a plan for when what happens. The market typically has a 10, 15% correction every 12 to 18 months. Every four to five years, you get a when it's over 20%, which they typically consider a, a bear market. But then in every once in a while, you get these big drops that scare everybody. The, uh, so you know that's going to happen. You just don't know exactly when. And people just beat themselves to death trying to forecast. It's not necessary to forecast. Look, if you don't want to get wet by rain, before you go outside, look out the window. (laughs) Just look out the window and then put your jacket on if it's raining or bring an umbrella. It's the same thing with rebalancing your portfolio. Figure out how much risk you're willing to take and then rebalance your portfolio just like you just said. I'm willing to take a 40% drop. right? So I have 80% of my money in stock funds. If we get a 50% drop, I'm going to be down about 40% or so. I'm going to take every dime that's in that fixed income, and I'm going to buy stocks with it. The, uh, but anyway, Walter, I'm sorry. i got to let you go. Uh, call us back next week. We'll have the uh, the remainder of this conversation.
3: Okay. Take care of yourself, though. Thanks.
2: You too. Have a good weekend. you have been listening to Bill Bullington here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon on 1420 The Answer. Have a good week, everybody. Good luck and good investing.
0: You just caught another edition of the Bullington Capital Report.
2: or substitute for personalized investment advice from the advisor or any other
1: investment professional. The preceding program has been paid for by Bullington Capital Management, LLC.